Well, good morning, church. Hey, what a great time of worship, right? Amazing to be able to draw in God's presence and give Him glory. It's fantastic. I know that when we had the first service, I had to be careful because I knew that uh, I needed to have my voice for the service. So it's great to worship the Lord together. It's pretty, when you think about the thought that we can approach God and that God approaches us on the platform of worship, that's pretty amazing. Wow. I think it's so cool that in church, what we want to see is we want to develop a culture of praise and worship where we can connect with God, embrace God, let God minister to us, and us minister to God, right? Awesome. So um, before we go to the Word, I would ask you to stand one last time. invite you to stretch your hand in front of you as a symbol of your openness to what God wants to tell you this morning. Father God, we thank you that you are here And uh, first, we want to give you glory and honor and praises. There's no one like you. We rejoice in you. We thank you so much for the privilege we have to draw close to you and to be encountered by you. Father, there's nothing like your presence. There's nothing like the presence of Holy Spirit. And what we want is we want to see Jesus take root in our hearts. We want to live a life that honors your name. And so we ask you to lead us this morning, that you would continue to have your way in us. Help me to communicate what you've placed on my heart, and help us to receive what you want to say. Uh, You go beyond my words, Father. We're here to hear your whisper, and we want to grow in you, so we're open to the challenge that comes from your word, because we know that your word doesn't come in condemnation, but it comes to build us up. So we say amen to this. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Awesome. I'm excited for this series. Um, It's a new series, and we're going to be talking about legacy. Every year, basically in this time of the year, I talk on legacy, and uh, for the next four weeks, we'll be focusing on legacy. And uh, I think it's a great time to do that because we're about six weeks away from Christmas. Unreal, right? So we're almost there. The year just went, it just flew by, and here we are, the edge of Christmas, and sometimes what we need to do, I don't know if you do that, but you look back and you say, hey, how did I live my year? Am I, am I living my year? Have, have I lived my, my year in the ways of the Lord? And uh, so that's kind of the thought I want to talk about this morning. That's kind of the foundation of what I, or the, the main thought I want to share this morning. One of the things that I believe that we need to remember and realize, or maybe just we need to fuel, is the fact that uh, we were called to make a difference and that we have a call upon our lives and that my life matters. My life matters in the eyes of the Lord because he loves me and this is why Jesus came to reconcile me to the Father and, uh, and also for us to step in what he has in store for us. And I believe that to take a hold of the truth that we have a calling and that uh, we have a mission and that our life matters, I think it's a huge component when it comes to living life. So we want to live life knowing that our life matters. Can you tell your neighbor that your life matters? Can you do that? Your life matters. You know, when it comes to having um, a legacy, it's not just for the rich and famous. Ha! <laughs> You know, the rich and famous, hey, if you're rich and famous, well, God has a legacy for you. But God has a legacy for me. God has a path for me to run. And God wants me to be fruitful. And the Bible says that 
He is the vine, we are the branches, and we are called to bear fruits, right, in Him. So what I want to sow in your life, or what I would like you to open up this morning, is to open up to the thought that God wants you to bear fruits, that God wants you to prosper in His ways, that God has a plan for you, that you're not just lost, or you're not just uh, isolated, or you're not just not, not important. You are God's plan. When it comes to reaching others, when it comes to reaching your family, when it comes to reaching you, the love of your life and, and people around you, God placed you there for that. And sometimes when it comes to life, life gets busy, right? Would you agree with me? Life gets busy. There's so much things going on here, there, everywhere. And sometimes we lose track of uh, the importance to focus on what am I leaving behind? What's the impact I'm having on people? Because I'm leaving something behind, but what we want to leave behind is godliness, right? What we want to leave behind is something that is positive. But the thing is, I've got to realize that God has placed me to do that. And I've got to believe that there's a calling on my life. And God has planned for me to leave something behind, have an impact. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you're uh, a retired, semi retired or you're a young adult or you're a teenager, God wants to use you. Amen? So we want to see God use us. We want to see God um, move upon us. Uh, and, and I believe that we need that too. I believe that if we don't live a life of purpose and we don't live with the desire to have a legacy, let's say we, we, we have a legacy, like it or not, but we, what we want is a good legacy, right? But, but when we live without purpose, I think that we, we lack joy and I believe that when we don't enter in this, where we don't enter in what God has in store, I think that we get more miserable because we were made for that. I want to read you a quote that I read from uh, the Times Magazine. It says, studies have shown that older people, I don't know who older people are, but that's, I guess it's a personal assessment, right? Studies have shown that older people who are generous tend to have a better health. See Tobler. And other research has indicated that spending money on others can be as effective as lowering blood pressure as medication and exercise. Whoa. Moreover, there is a positive association between helping others and life expectancy. He added, perhaps because helping others reduces stress. Unreal, right? That helping others, uh, blessing others, pouring yourself in others seems to be good for us. We kind of need it, right? And so, so when it comes to leaving a legacy, like I said, we're all leaving a legacy, like it or not, but what we want is to live, uh, to live a life that blesses others and with the thought of how can I improve your life? How can I make your life better? Imagine if we would put that on our fridge, right? How can I make... How can I improve the life of my wife? How can I improve the life of my kids? How can I improve the life of the people that are surrounding me? And, and, and having this thought will give birth to a godly legacy because, like I said, we want to have a legacy and we want to have a godly one. And the Bible talks in Matthew 25, the, and Jesus gives this story of talents. He gives five talents to one, five talents to one, another two, and another only one. And their goal, the goal of what they were supposed to do, is to multiply it. And, and the thought is that, is that God has invested in me, and God has um, made a deposit in me. Can you tell your neighbor that you have God's deposit in you? You've got God's deposit in you. God has put a deposit in you. And what he wants, he wants to see that deposit come out. And that's God through you, okay? So, so the thing is, 
It's important to look back, and that's what the thought or what I wanted to share this morning. It's to look back on how I'm living my life. Am I living my life with purpose right now? Am I living my life with a thought of legacy? Or am, or am I just going from A to B, <laughs> trying, trying to catch my breath, right? And just doing life so busy, you're so caught up in, in what, what is around you that you forget about legacy. And you forget on what really makes you happy, what could make you happy, is when you look at the value of others and you make, in the, the, you make a difference in the life of others. I want to give you a little snapshot of a man that had a tremendous legacy and a man that was intentional when it came to his legacy. And it's, uh, it's a character of uh, Joshua. So if you have your Bible, take a look at Joshua chapter 24. And one of the things when it comes to Joshua that's pretty amazing, chapter 24, is when we read chapter 24, it's the last chapter of the book of Joshua. In Joshua, we know that before chapter 24, he did some amazing things, right? You look at Joshua chapter 1, where God says, be strong and courageous. Can you tell your neighbor, be strong and courageous? You know, be strong and courageous. And this is where Joshua had to feel the sandals of Moses, and he felt a bit intimidated. And God came to him a few times and says, be strong. I give you this order. Be strong and courageous. And after that, we see him go and cross the Jordan. God opened the Jordan up. It was amazing. He saw God's intervention. He arrives at Jericho, and God, the, 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 the wall came down. It was an amazing breakthrough. At one point, they were doing war, and God extended daytime so that they could finish the war. So he saw it amazing things, right? If you look through the book of Joshua, we see a lot of miracles. You see God's intervention. You see the people following God. It's an amazing, uh, amazing book because it talks about the people of God moving forward, and this is where they conquer the promised land. And in chapter in this chapter, chapter, which chapter? 24, he, you can see that he's, he, he's not a young pup anymore. And, and, uh, and he gives this, uh, this challenge to the people. And let's take a look at it. In verse 14, it says, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. Verse 15, But if you, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors to serve beyond the Euphrates? Or will, you, or, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whom land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And the people reply, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us in our, uh, and our ancestors from um, slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles beyond, before our very eyes. Uh, as we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies, he preserved us. And it was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and other nations living here in the land, so we too, we will serve the Lord, for he alone is our God. What I like about this is that the people took a stand. And what I like about this text is, it, this text is Joshua that says, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'll make a decision. Like I said, he was not a young pup. He made that decision in the past. Now he, he renewed his vow and he says, you know, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As we get established in the promised land, I, myself, and my house, we will serve the Lord. I think it's important for us to make these vows. I think it's important for us sometimes to stop in the busyness of life. Even though we had success in the past, even though we saw God's intervention, even though we have a track record, I think it's important to stop and say, okay, where am I going with my life? 
What do I want to see? What's important for me? What do I want to reach? What is, what, what is the fruits that I want to see in my life? And he's there and he says, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he said to them, what do you want to do? And the people responded, we want to serve the Lord too. Because they saw God's provision. They saw God's protection. They saw God make a way. So when we look at our lives and we stop at where we are today, we have to say we are the product of grace, the beauty of grace. I look at my name is written in the book of life. Woohoo! My name is written in the book of life. And if you are a believer, you've said yes to Jesus, your name is written in the book of life. That's pretty huge, right? I think that should play on how I see life or how I undertake my life or how I, 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 I plan my life when I know that my name is written in the book of life, that I'm valued and loved by God to the point that I'm part of God, I'm unified with God. So you see this man, Joshua, take a stand. The Israelites remember what the Lord did, but they, made, they took a position. And I believe when it comes to legacy, it has to be intentional. It's going to be Intentional. I don't think you have a legacy by accident. I think le legacy is a decision you make. It's a, it's a path you, you start and you say, this is what I want to see in my life. And sometimes we don't really know it. We never mapped it out. But we, we out of love for God, we, uh, we kind of created a legacy. And I think that's fine. But I think that when I look at Joshua in this text, it was intentional. It was bold about it, upfront about it. And he says, for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. The question I have for myself and for you, are you willing to make that statement? Are you willing to take that stand and, and say, God, myself, me, and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'll do what I can. I'll do what is in my power to follow you and to serve you. It's a decision of my heart. And I have to tell you that when you make a commitment like this, God is there with you. And God backs you up when you make that decision. Does it mean that it's going to be effortless? Does it mean there's not going to be challenges? We know how life it is, right? There's a lot of cur like tight curves, tight, tight bends. We know that it's not always easy. But one of the things that we know is that when we respond to God, God carry us through. But it, it's important for us to sometimes take a back step and say, okay, where am I? What am I pursuing? Am I living for the next big house? Am I living for this car? Am I living for this, this money, this bank account? What am I living for? And, and sometimes we get caught, right? Like the Israelites, when, when um, Joshua gives them the challenge, are you going to follow the gods uh, on the other side of the Euphrates? Are you going to follow the gods of the Amorites? This is, these are the voices we hear all the time. You're bombarded. We are bombarded by voices all the time. Do this. Live for this. Live for that. Pursue this. Let that, be, let that be your drive. And so Joshua stops and he says, no, I'm not going to follow the gods of the Amorites. I'm not going to follow the gods of Egypt. Of Egypt. I'm not going to follow the gods beyond the Euphrates. I choose to follow God. I choose to align myself, set my sail in God's direction. And when you do that intentionally and you choose that in your heart, I believe you're setting yourself up to have an awesome legacy. It doesn't mean that you're called to be perfect, but you're going in, in that direction and people will see your sincerity. Your family will catch where your heart is and they will be drawn by it and it's, it's going to be contagious. 
Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 with this thought. Therefore, prepare your mind for action. In other words, it's intentional. You prepare your mind for action. You're not just going. You're not improvising. You prepare your, 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 your mind for action. Look what it says. You need to prepare your mind for action. action. So, so Paul is, Peter is saying, prepare your mind. It's, God doesn't prepare your mind. You do. You see, you make a decision. You decide where, where you're going to go. God does not impose anything on us. God doesn't force anything down our throat. God doesn't, like, doesn't bend our arms until we say yes. He gives us that freedom. The beautiful, the beauty of the freedom and at the same time the curse of freedom, right? Where sometimes it would be good if he would twist my arms, to twist my arm. But he doesn't do that because he respects the free will. So, so the thing is, we're bombarded by voices and what we want to do is we want to prepare our mind for action, what I want to share to you this, this morning is three things that you want to have in your life that I believe will, uh, will make you fruitful and also set you up for a beautiful legacy. You want a beautiful legacy? Absolutely. You want to be fruitful? Yeah, who doesn't want to be fruitful? Again, it's not just for the, the rich and the famous. It's for me and you, right? That's the beauty of it. Of it. And this is one of the things that is always close to my heart, and I like to say this because I think it's so important, is that you need to realize that God has a call on you. God has a call on you, and he wants you to respond to it. And you, you might think that you're not good enough. You might think that you're not smart enough. You might think that you don't have what it takes, but it's not the truth. God has a legacy for you. That's pretty cool, eh? One last time, I'm going to ask you to tell your neighbor that you have a legacy. I have a legacy. I have a legacy. God has planned me to have a legacy. Three things I believe that we want to see when it comes to have, to come, when it comes to having, uh, when we, if we want to have a, 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 a godly legacy. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And all these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest is love. And I think that if I, I believe that if I have faith, and I have hope, and I have love, there's going to be fruits that will go in the afterlife. It's going, to be, it's going to follow me. This is what's lasting, is when I walk in faith, when I embrace hope, and when I live by the standard of love. Let's take a look at faith, for example. Faith is when I make room for God in my daily life. It's not complicated. Faith is believing and trusting in God, and because you believe and you trust in God, you invite Him to your table. Where you, when you make decisions, when you, when you relate with other people, when you look at your own personal life, God has a voice in your life where God is invited to your table. I think that's a huge component when it comes to be, be having a godly legacy. I cannot have a godly legacy without God. I think my math is pretty good, right? If you want to have a, a godly legacy, and you want to have God. So you want to invite God around at your table. And it's, even though you might be a seasoned Christian, it doesn't matter. You still need to have God's viewpoint. You still need to have what, what God has to say. So you want to invite him in your life. And imagine if, if I trust God for his advice, and I come to him, and I involve him in my decision, you know, it's, it's going to create momentum, and it's going to be influential, and other people will be drawn by that. When I look at his word, 
and I choose to walk according to his word, when it comes to do, doing life sometimes, you look at the, if I can say the wicked or the ungodly, how they do business, and sometimes they seem to have more result than you when you want to try, try to follow God's ways. And, but, but I got to tell you that when you follow God's ways, you're also followed by God's blessings. And, and when you do things the right way, then you don't have to walk in fear and you can walk with a total peace. You can go to bed at night with no stress because you did what you were supposed to do. But sometimes it feels like it's slower, but at the same time, you got to realize that the fruit of it will be way better than if you run before God. Even when it comes to looking for a partner, a wife or a husband in life, and you're getting, getting a little older, so you, then you say, well, I'm going to put my, my I'm going to lower my standards, right? So don't lower your standards. Stay biblical. Look at what God says. And otherwise, what's going to happen is that you're going to pay for that. You might be miserable. You might be miserable. Like God is a God of grace, right? But just to say that when it comes to making your decisions, you want to involve God in your decision and all that you do. And you want to have the word of God close to you. And you want to walk according to his principles. You want to have God close. One of the things that you want to see also is you want to see God heal your heart. Let's say, as a father, I don't have a healed heart. It's going to overflow over my kids. I'll give you a little snapshot of pastoral ministry. One of the, one of the things that you see when it comes to pastors, there's a lot of PKs or pastor's kids that walk away from the faith. And the reason for that, one of the reasons for that is that Father or mother, mom and dad get hurt, gets hurt by people in the church. So then mom and dad goes home and share their hurts, and now the kids are taking offense of the parents towards the people, and what, ha what can happen long haul is that these people or these kids don't want to do nothing with the church because the church have hurt their parents, okay? So the problem is not that the, the people are bad. It's church is church, right? Church is people. And, and things, we hurt each other. But the problem is, not that we should hurt each other, just by the way. Uh, but the, the problem is that when you don't deal with your heart issues, because whatever is in my heart will overflow on, uh, on my kids and, and the people that are around me. And I give my example, but you could give your example when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your relationship, that if you, if you uh, don't live life with a healed heart, it's going to overflow on your kids. You know, when my kids were five, six years old, they didn't really see really how my marriage is, and they didn't really see me. But now they're a little older, and now they see my marriage. They see me, right? So, so the thing is, uh, I, 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 let's say, at a certain point in life, I can cover up my life pretty well, right? I can live this masquerade to some degree. But as you go forward and the kids are getting older, then they see the real nature of who Claude is. But the problem, the, the, not the problem, the reality is not that God is expecting me to be perfect, but what I'm called to do is to pursue God and to desire God in my life, you see? So when I desire God, and I want God at the table, and I'm open to what he has to say to me, and I involve him when I do life, when I don't leave him here, but I have him every moment of my life where I want to have his input, I want him in my life, it will put me in a place of bearing fruit. And another way I believe that you can grow 
in, 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 in legacy is how you see the local church. Local church is huge. Like, I, I look at what happened here last Friday. We had, like, I don't know, 300, 400 ladies that were here. And we'll talk more about that in the future, in the, in the next few Sundays, how, how the local church has a big impact on people. But one of the challenges that you might have as a, as a parent, I know I remember having that challenge when my kids were young. Right? You, you plan to go to church, and then you have to feed the kids. You have to dress them up, and then they, they don't always cooperate, right? And then you, uh, you have to dress them up in winter, and they kind of uh, they look like they're astronauts, right? And then you got to tie them in that little car seat, and you can't get that thing in, Right? And you say, why am I doing this? Let's, let's, let's watch it online, right? Don't have to do the effort to come to church. The thing is, when you do this, for sure, maybe, for sure, I'm saying for sure, and then I'm saying maybe, it's a contradiction here, right? So, for sure, you're tempted to stay home. And maybe you're not getting the most out of it. But what happened, what, what you do, though, you're saying to your kids that church is important. And they grow with that mindset that church is important. You see? You're sowing into their lives what's important for you because you cannot tell them what's important when it's not important for you. And there's some seasons where right now it's fine to come to church, but I know in one, some seasons it was like, man, like I've got to go to church because I'm the pastor. But hey, it was hard because of the kids who were young, right? But I look, I look at what you sow in your kids when you sow godliness and what is important for, like, when, what's important, they'll catch that. They'll see that. And you're not wasting your time, right? So, so faith is huge. Walking your walk of faith where you depend on God, where you include God, when you invite God in your so-called all the time, at whatever level it is, I think it's going to bring blessings over you. I really believe that. The second thing is hope. When I live with the view of eternity... That's one of the things that it's, uh, it's really hitting me more like uh, this fall because I'm in a group of pastors, we're doing mentoring, and we're talking about that, to live in view of eternity. And, and sometimes we don't live in view of eternity. We think it stops here. We think that my problems are now and it's, it's just here. I, I'm running from A to B and I forget that life is way more, way bigger than just here. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 says, Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. So I've got to set my mind on things above. I need to set my mind on things above. But it's hard. It's crazy hard, right? I don't see the above. I, I see things. I see people. To set my, thing, my mind on things that are above, it, it's hard. I, I need to, to take a back step and, and ask myself, what am I living for? Am I living like eternity is real? Am I living like there's life after life? Or am I living like it's going to stop at, uh, at some age and I will be buried six feet under and it's going to stop there? Sometimes it feels, I don't know for you, but I'm living that it's like I'm going to be staying six feet under. So, so, uh, but I know it's not true. I believe in the resurrection of the dead. I believe one day I'll see Jesus face to face. But that should influence the way I do life. It should, Right? If I believe that there's life after life, I can't just live my life going A to B and be consumed by the things of this world. It just doesn't make any sense, right? I believe one day we'll understand it fully when we'll see him face to face. But one of the challenges that we have to, 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 that, that, that we face is, I believe we got to take a step back and say, what am I living for? Come on, Claude. What are you living for? 
What are, what are you pursuing? What's the drive in your life? So I, I believe that eternity influences my, my outlook on life. It, it should, right? It should. So when you go through rough times and things are not easy and tragedies happens to you and things that you done, did not see coming uh, that, uh, that hit you hard, you, to know that eternity is at hand or you, to know that there's life after life, I don't know, it makes a big difference. It did for the Apostle Paul when he was in prison because he knew that life was bigger than prison. Than prison. He knew that there was some rewards and he would see the Lord later on and motivated him to do the the call that he, or to walk in the call that he had, right? Because he thought about eternity. So when we get hit hard, I believe that when we focus on eternity, it makes it all worthwhile to say, I can do this because it doesn't stop here. It's not limited to 70 years, 80 years, or 90 years, right? That God has uh, something in store for me. So eternity influences my outlook in life. Like it says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, then he said, beware, guard against, and I think it's a beware, we, we got to listen to this, and I think it's very, uh, really relevant to uh, the Western world. Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Uh, life is not measured by how much you own. Really, that's the standard of the Western world. Show me your toys, and I'll see if you had success or not, Right? It's not the numbers of toys that you have in your yard. It's not that that defines a, a, a fruitful a life of legacy. It's when you pursue God and when you want to see godliness flow through you and touch other people. Like, life is one dot on the line of eternity. It really is. So you don't want just to focus on here and forget about eternity. And the only thing that we bring in eternity is people. That's the only thing that has eternal values is people. So I can't live for things. I can't live for, for this and that. I, I've got to live with purpose that my business, it's for the progression of God's kingdom. It's, 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 it, or, or whatever I do, it's for the cause of the kingdom. And I've got to tell you that as a parent, when you choose to do that, it will overflow on your kids. That your kids, when they're going to pursue a career, they will think about God's kingdom. They'll think about, if they start a business, oh yeah, I, if I make money, I will invest in God's kingdom. Or they will, they will be involved in social, uh, social work. They will care about people because they saw it in you. They saw that people are valuable. They saw that others around you are valuable and they'll catch that and they will want to do the same. So that's the legacy that we want to give because the only thing that we bring in the afterlife is, is people. Eternity caused me to live with a life of purpose. Look, look what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the call that you receive. And Paul is in prison. He says, I urge you people to live a life worthy of the calling you receive, to live a life of purpose, to live having a legacy in mind. You know, like I said, it doesn't stop, stop here. It's more than that. If you want to throw the two, uh, the two words on the back, yeah, there you go. I, I had the chance to go and, and um, meet some pastors. I, I was leading last week in Quebec City uh, round tables. I had around 50 pastors from the city uh, of, the, of Quebec City and uh, I was asked to, to give a, a story, not a story, but talk about church renewal, how, how this church experienced renewal and, and the fruits of what God has done in this church. And really the thought that I brought was these two words, 
orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Orthodoxy talks about what we believe. The Western world, we're very well educated, and orthodoxy is what we believe. And I think it's important to know what we believe. I think our doctrine is very important. But there's another level that is orthopraxy. Orthopraxy, if I say it right, orthopraxy talks about practicing what we believe. Is what I practice. So if I don't practice what I believe, what's the point of believing it? That's the thought. I'll give you a little example. How many of you would say that prayer is important? The next question is, do I pray? It doesn't matter if you think prayer is important if you don't pray. It's pointless. I will believe that it doesn't work. Because you're not doing it, right? And that's what we've done in the Western world. We've separated what we believe to what we do. And that's the problem of the church today, in general. The church... Yeah, I believe this, I believe that, I believe in generosity, I believe in love, I believe in faithfulness and all that, but the challenge is, am I living it? And that's what needs to happen. It's a journey, but I've got to be aware that it's in the next level. And while the churches are suffering in the Western world is because we think that knowing is good enough, but what gives you a legacy, it's not knowing as much as doing. For sure, it starts with knowing, but it has to be translated by doing what God wants you to do to, to put into motion what you believe, right? James chapter 2 verse 19 says, you believe that there's one God, good, even the demons believe that and shudder. See? So it doesn't change anything if you believe. It's when you put it in practice, this is where it all matters. So that's the challenge. And to have a godly legacy that follows you into eternity, you got to embrace that, that concept that you're called to live out your faith by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So eternity causes me to refocus. When you look at Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, it says, look, I'm coming soon, talking about Jesus, bringing my reward with me to repay all the people according to their deeds. Wow. So when I live on earth and I do what I'm, when I do life, I got to re- remember that there's going to be uh, an accountable, uh, there's going to be accountability. At one point, I'll have to stand before God. And Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says, Don't stir up treasures here on earth where moth eats them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. We don't want to forget that, right? We, we don't want to forget that, that life is eternal, that we are eternal beings. And so we don't want to live with just the immediate and lose focus of the big picture. So I believe that eternity causes me to, to, to have a, a godly legacy. And my last point this, this morning is you want faith, you want hope, but the greatest is love. And that's what needs to be in our lives. It's to be driven by love. And it comes back to what I already said, and I won't be too long on that. It's to value the people that are around you. To value the people that you meet everywhere that you go. That they're living souls, created in God's image. It doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter where they've done. They were created by God, and they need to be loved. And they need someone to reach out to them. Like, love causes me to treat all with dignity and respect to see the value of human beings. I look at Romans chapter 5. It says, while I was still sinners, Christ, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. He didn't wait for me to be fixed. 
He knew I was broken, and he came for me. So, so I, I believe that we are, we're called to be motivated by love. When, listen, when it comes to having a godly, godly legacy, I've got to open wide my heart. I've got to love on people. I've got to value people. I've got to see that God has called me to love on them and to bless them. I, I believe that love will cause me to serve with intensity. When I see the value of people, I will serve them. I will serve their kids. I will serve their youth. I will serve, I, I will serve them because I'm driven to make a difference. Like, Jesus' mission statement was, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That was the mission statement of Jesus. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I didn't come to, for you to wash my feet. I came to wash yours. What a message, right? That's the expression of love. And because of this, we are his legacy. When we see this image of Jesus loving us to death, it rocks our world. It really does when you stop in your thinking chair at home under a small little light and you start to think about how much God's love you, it's just overwhelming. It overtakes you, right? And so, so I need to be filled and baptized with this love. Love causes me to serve with intensity. Love causes me to speak life. Love causes me to speak life. Proverb 18 verse 21 the tongue can bring death or life. This little thing can bring death or life. Unreal, right? That I have su such power. Listen, I have such power to bring life and death by what comes out of this. What a privilege I have to build people up. You know? You know when you build people up, you see the end result? Uh, like I know like we've got some builders here, people that are involved in construction, and often what, they, what I hear from them, it's, they say, it's so cool to see it on the paper, and then to finish it off, finish the project, it's like, wow. You know, it's the same thing. When you, when you build people with your tongue, there's going to be a legacy of it. When we take people for granted around us, when's the last time you just pump your wife up? You told them how beautiful she was, how awesome she was, how blessed you were to have her in your life. When you look at your kids in the eye and you say, you are so awesome, unreal. And they, when they might be too young and they want to look aside, you take them by the, by the face and you say, you are just awesome. You know, something happens inside of you when that happens. Sometimes we wait for people to do it to us and we say, if, if she or he would do it to us, to me, then I would do it to him. No, break the ice. Have a godly legacy. You have power and death on your tongue. Choose to have life. Choose to build people. You know, the, the reality is we live in a non-perfect world. The husband, the wife, the friends, the parents, the kids you have, they're not perfect. And even if you would be transported and be brought into another context, you know what? Same problems, different faces. Same problems, different names. If I run away from this church because of problem, and I go to another church, you know what's going to happen? Same problems, different faces, different names, same thing. Right? So, so one of the things I'm called to do, I almost stripped there. One, one of the things that I'm called to do is to value people around me and choose life and bless. Like, how many of you, you like to be encouraged? All of us, right? 
How many of us, we, we, we like to see someone say, good job, it's awesome what you do. It's speaking life, right? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit that it may benefit those who listen. It doesn't say that you might benefit by what you say, because sometimes it feels good just to, you know? But it's not about that. It's about building people up. So we want to do that. And my last point this morning, when it comes to love, love causes me to be generous. Love causes me to give freely. To not to have a closed fist, but have, have an open hand. Proverbs 3, verse 27 says, do not with withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to act do not say to your neighbor come back later i'll give it tomorrow when you have it with you when you have it at hand look at what you have and and bless live a life of blessing you know don't be afraid to give especially when you can don't be afraid don't be caught up with the fear of lack be generous love on people you can change a life. You can change a ministry. You can change people when you invest in, in, in others, when you don't hold back. Jesus said in Luke chapter 8, verse 38, given will be given to you, a good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured upon your lap. And for the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So I, I, I want God to use the biggest ruler for that, right? The biggest measure. So I'm called to be generous. I'm called to give without holding back. There's a quote from John Piper that I really like. He, he says, if you were set free to give, you would be the happiest people on earth. If you would be set free to give, you would be the happiest people on earth. You know, a reason why I want to give is because of the legacy, because it's making a difference in people's lives. So my prayer for you guys this morning is that you would be like Joshua me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'll make a decision to serve the Lord. I'm not going to follow the gods of the Amorites and the Egyptians and Mesopotamian God. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to walk in godliness. I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to walk in hope, knowing that it doesn't stop here. I'm going to show love. I'm going to be a blessing because I want to have a godly, godly impact, a godly legacy. Amen? would ask you to stand. With all the eyes closed this morning out of respect for, for, for your neighbor, ah, you're so loved by God, all of you, without exception. Maybe you're here this morning and you've, you've walked away from the Lord or you've never really, really surrendered your life to Jesus. It's just an intellectual thing. You believe in God, but you've never... You never opened up to him. Well, I, I want to tell you that there's room at Jesus' table. He wants you. He wants to be at your table. He wants to be in your life. He died so that you would be close to him. My prayer is that you would say yes to him. My prayer is that you would come back to him. My prayer is that you would give him room. You would pull a chair in your heart and see Jesus here, sit at my table. If that's you this morning, I invite you to raise up your hand. If that's you. I don't want you to walk away without making that step. Thank you. Someone else. If, if you have a conviction in your heart, don't harden your heart. Just say yes to God. He, it's, it's a story of love. Yes, thank you. Someone else. 
Thank you. Someone else. Thank you, thank you. Oh, yeah, Lord. We invite you at our table, Jesus. Come into my life. Come and rule my life, God. I, I need you in my life. Come and, and save me. Come and bring me back. Come into my life. Acknowledge my need of you. Acknowledge that in, in the flesh I'm rebellious and inside I, I walked my own life and it brought me to nowhere. So here I am. Come, come in my life. Maybe you're here this morning and you walked away from purpose. You're busy, you're just busy. And you forgot, you lost track of legacy. And God is bringing you back, reeling you in, and say, son, daughter, hey, you have a purpose. You're not just here to make money. You're not just here to be busy. You're not just here to take care of business. You're here to follow me. You're here to reproduce yourself. You're here to pour godliness and hope and love on others. Maybe this is where you are this morning. I invite you to say, God, stir my heart. Bring me back. Restore me in this place of influence where I will be a man and a woman of influence. That I will be and I want to be like Joshua that says, for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen.